I'm Julie Potowitz, CEO and founder of Grow Your Occupancy. Our passion is helping senior living providers maximize sales efforts and increase revenue. Join me as I chat with industry leaders who share their tips and strategies. And we'll have some fun along the way. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Grow Your Occupancy podcast. I'm Julie Podowitz, CEO and founder of Grow Your Occupancy. And today's topic is on the minds of, I think, all owner operators, and that is filling their pipeline with great talent. I'm welcoming two experts in this field on the show today. We have Max McNamara, who's the CEO of Full Spectrum Search Group, and Katie Churchill, who is, I want to make sure I get your title correct, you're the Division Director of Senior Living, right, at Mm -hmm. Full Spectrum Search Group. So welcome, Katie and Max. Thank Thank you for having us. Well, you know, it's um, occupancy is, uh, well, as long as I've been in the business, has been on the minds, right, of uh, owner operators, um, singly, single operated and, and large companies filling our buildings with maximizing revenue. And it is now neck and neck, right, and sometimes even more challenging in keeping our positions filled with great talent. So um, I just, I'm just going to throw it out there, uh, Katie and Max, maybe tell, tell us a little bit about you and your background. And can you just, let's just jump right in and talk about some of the challenges that you're hearing uh, your customers, the, the owner operators are having and how you're helping. Sure. Uh, Max, do you want to talk about yourself first and then I'll jump in? Go ahead. Okay. (laughs) So uh, my name is Katie and I actually come from senior living. I worked in senior living sales and marketing for the past 10 years before joining Max here at Full Spectrum Search Group. And, um, you know, I absolutely love senior living. It's a passion of mine. I grew up in the industry and really have developed such a connection to senior living and now working on the professional side, being able to support our clients and some operators in growing their top talent for their communities has been very fulfilling to learn, you know, what some of our executive leadership members are doing for those companies in growing occupancy, revenue, um, really just making a difference every day for those residents and families. Um, so that's just a little bit about me and let Max kind of chime in there. Sure. Yeah. Uh, my name is Max. I am the CEO of Full Spectrum Search Group. Been in the business for nine years, coming up on 10. Um, really came into the business from a private elementary school PE teaching background um, and really tripped and fell right on my face into this industry. People ask me, you know, how'd you choose senior living or how'd you choose, choose the you know long-term care space? And it was like, I, I didn't choose it. It really chose me and um, really have never looked back. My, my desire to get into the business came from really this um, everlasting desire that I've had to just be the facilitator, to be the helper. Even when I was teaching, if the, if the school was looking for a football coach, I was the guy that wanted to connect the dots. Who did I play football with that might be interested in a, in a, you know, in a, in a seasonal gig? 
um, get them plugged in. And then the joy that I came that the joy that I got came from walking on campus and seeing that teacher up or that coach up on the football field, coaching the sixth grade flag football team. There was no financial reward for it. There was really nothing else other than just this, you know, uh, desire to see me make the connection and then have that connection thrive. And so when I was introduced to the recruiting business, um, it was really that same feeling of being able to help operators and help candidates that really are too busy to look for new opportunities, but are turnkey solutions to my clients' needs um, and get them plugged in and then watch them grow within the company, watch them make an impact on the organization and me be able to sit back and say, I did that. I was the person that made that connection. So that that's really where my joy and, and really desire to be in the business comes from. That's great. I was bit long ago uh, taught fourth grade in public school. So we both yeah. have some, some time in elementary school, uh, both as a, as a uh, student, right? <laughs> elementary school, which I think all of us did. Uh, so Katie, you and I had an opportunity. I did a webinar a while back about mm -hmm. the parallel between the kind of the sales funnel and the hiring funnel. I know you, you called me right after and, and we had a chance to chat. Um, about about that and kind of pick each other's brains a little more. I'm just curious about that more. And then piggybacking, um, curious around, you know, with your how your experience in senior living really lends itself to to what you're doing now or the benefits around that, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. So when I first joined with Max at Full, Full Spectrum, I didn't really realize how parallel, you know, senior living sales was and recruiting. Um, you know, really that whole sales mentality of set the stage, you know, lay out the agenda, listen, you know, explore their needs, you know, and then kind of close the deal, right? Um, it all really fell in line with how we pre-screen our candidates and even how we, you know, connect with our clients about their needs for that current job or that opportunity that they're looking for. Um, we take a long time to really connect with our candidates and listen to what they're currently going through, what maybe they would take from their current operator to a new operator or what they wouldn't you know, want in a new operator and being able to connect with the candidates on all of those dynamics to be able to then make that perfect true match for our client or operator is really that entire sales pipeline, you know, the entire setup that we do in senior living as well. Um, you know, following up as well and making sure we're having all those good touch points, providing feedback when needed, giving updates when needed. Um, it's super crucial in our business to constantly really be on the phone and stay connected. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've ever been on the phone more in my career than I have been in, in senior living recruiting. Right. Yeah. <laughs> follow up, follow up, follow up. Yes, right? yes. Uh, getting exactly. the leads in the funnel and then uh, really helping them out. What What are you seeing, um, Max, in regard to um, like you all recruit for executive positions, right? Executive director, sales director, wellness. Leadership. Yeah, really ED, really ED and above. Mm -hmm. um, wow occasionally sales directors and health wellness directors, but primarily ED, regional, divisional, and C-level executives. Okay. And I have two-part question. One is, what are your, what are great candidates looking for? I'll start with that. Like, you know, why will they engage with you? Hmm. I think every candidate's desire to move 
fits into one of a few buckets, but every single scenario is very unique. So it's, it's kind of this conundrum of, I tell people that join our team and people that have been in the business for a few years that really you're a rookie for the first several years in this business. Why? Because every situation is, is very unique. Every single day we're presented with a new scenario that even I, nine years in the business, I'm like, I haven't seen this before. <laughs> even though every single scenario is unique, most scenarios fit into a category or into a bucket, if you will. Yeah. Um, and so the motivations for candidates to make moves for us fit into a few different buckets. One of the most tangible ones is distance. Um, I feel like, especially in the metropolitan markets, things are getting more dense. People don't want to commute. And especially through COVID, people realized that a lot of their stuff could be done from home. Maybe not a lot of the roles in senior living can, especially at the community level, but sales directors, EDs and above realized, I don't want to be commuting 35 miles to get to work every day, especially if I live in a, in a metropolitan market. Mm -hmm. I'm passing a lot of senior living communities on my way to work um, to, to take this job. And so I, commute has been a big one, especially in metropolitan areas. Okay. Um, we did a, uh, a webinar for our clients during COVID, and it was this concept of COVID is testing the boundaries of the relationships between employees and the operator. Mm -hmm. Employees are seeing what operators know how to navigate a situation like this, which is really uncharted territory. Operators are looking at their people and thinking, who's going to be able to stick through the toughest of times? And so during COVID, we saw this stratification where there was people that went like, my operator is, doesn't have any PPE. There's not the right protocols and procedures. The communication is very poor. I mean, I've seen the true colors. I need to find a new opportunity. And the flip side of that, which is we are on the ball. The communication is to, to you know, on point. PPE is well supplied. Um, you know, facility is professionally cleaned X number of times a month. and as we were talking to candidates through COVID, there it was one of the two. There was very few people that were kind of down the middle. Yeah, we're doing okay. It was either my company is really doing well through COVID or we're really struggling to navigate this uncharted territory. And so I think post, as, as we're coming out of that, people know who navigated that situation well and who did not navigate that situation well in terms of the operators, especially in local markets. And so I think candidates at this point, especially within a 25 mile radius, they know which operators are the real deal and which ones struggle to, to, to really navigate that situation. So I think candidates are also looking for an operator with a certain level of excellence that they know that if they don't have that level of excellence, they're not going to be able to, to, to um, compete in an industry that exists today, which is struggling for census and simultaneously struggling for the right talent. So distance is one really excellence in the operator is number two. Um, and then number three is just tangible career growth. Mm -hmm. Everybody says, oh, growth, growth, growth. But I mean, at the end of the day, you know, success leaves clues and, and, you know, the proof is in the pudding that some operators have a tangible track record of promoting from within and some operators do not. And so I think candidates are looking for real buy-in or a real, you know, a tangible opportunity to grow their career um, rather than staying kind of stagnant in the role that they're in. So I'd say distance, excellence in operator, and, and really tangible, articulated career growth it would be number three. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, as you're talking, Max, 
I thinking the it's such a parallel to you know your prospects or your candidates, right? Mm-hmm. And in in working in a community, our prospects are our future residents and their influencers or family members. And every story is unique. Mm-hmm. However, the reasons they engage, you know, there's about five of them, right? But every story is unique, and it's so critically important to under to to connect. That yeah. connection, I'm sure. And it sounds to me like, you know, commute is a lo- logistical thing. And it's very interesting because, gosh, you know, the days of an hour and a half commute. And I know if you're in a major metropolitan, you can be 10 miles away, right? And be, you know, east-west traffic or north-south traffic. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, yeah, maybe people have, uh, you're coming out of COVID thinking, oh, do I really want to do that? Or how much can I do from home potentially? Uh, and then that the culture. That culture is, uh, it, you know, none of us knew, we, none of us had the playbook for COVID, but I think to your point, it's, it speaks to how we address or how challenges are addressed or how daily life is addressed. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and that's, uh, it sounds like people really want to work with the company for growth for themselves, but also a company that, that aligns with their their excellence or their expectations of, right, of where they want to work and where, you know, what they want to sell. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So the, um, gosh, you know, finding the talent at the regional level, uh, the executive level, uh, certainly I know, my, you know, I've been leaning so into the sales, but I'm also, you know, the operations. Can, why is it so hard? Why is it so hard to, to find that regional talent or maybe maybe it's not? I don't know. Can you speak to that? And then retaining great people. Why the turnaround? Katie, I'm going to throw that one to you. <laughs> okay. It's a hard one. Um, yeah. I mean, I've talked to a few different regional directors, um, you know, sales, operations, clinical, uh, the past, you know, six, nine months. And um, kind of similar to what Max was saying, a lot of these candidates either left their current companies because of lack of support, you know, during that COVID time and just kind of general burnout, wanting a different experience with a different operator. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't say, you know, we, myself or, you know, Max or I are really having trouble finding those candidates. Um, we're finding quality candidates that want to make a move. Um, I think it's a lot of it too is, like Max said, with the location, um, you know, a lot of what we do as regionals can be done remote, right? Aside from that travel piece of checking in on our communities. And, you know, we do have candidates that maybe live in Texas, but it's a California operator and they want somebody that lives, you know, within 45 minutes of the home office. And times have kind of changed where we don't necessarily need to do that. We can have people fly in or, you know, work remotely from home during that time, maybe go to home office once, twice a month if necessary. Um, So I think it's also, you know, senior living I'm seeing from at least 10 years ago to today, it's changing. It's, it's morphing into, you know, more of an employee based, you know, kind of supporting of the employees and what their needs are currently right now, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. You know, 10 years ago when I was traveling, I had to go to the home office weekly and I lived in California and our offices were in Vancouver, Washington. Yeah. 
you know, and that's no longer the expectation for that one operator. So. Yeah, I've done uh, been consulting many years and, uh, and, and on the operator, you know, on the, the owner side and I've done a tremendous amount of work in the team remotely, you know, and, and certainly with, and there's some things that can't be done, right? Some things that can't be done, but what can be done and done well, and it's all about the results, right? Right. Yeah. Can do. What advice, um, and you mentioned, you know, keeping our eye open uh, in, in regard to shifts and changes and um, going with the times. What advice would you give? I've got two parts. So I know you guys do executive search, but, you know, there's, there's equal, if not even more challenge for operators to find, you know, caregivers and, and, and both the people that do the hard work, you know, serving in the dining room and mm-hmm. making the communities look great. But w- so what advice would you give uh, operators or owners, uh, both from helping to fill their pipeline at a community level on the, the line staff, the, that sales funnel, and then also in working with um, high, looking at hiring more on the executive side? So I'll, I'll take that because I think there's, I, I have two pieces of, pieces of advice and really the, these two perspectives are things that I see operators most of the time struggle to conceptualize and implement. Um, the first piece really is for that line level staff, community level people. I don't think there's enough emphasis put on empowering site level leadership, really expecting site level leadership to do the recruiting. Um, and so I think this is why, because if we, if we rewind seven years ago, nine years ago, 10 years ago, there was very few operators that had a talent acquisition department. That's really been an evolution over the last decade and aggressively so over the last five years. Mm -hmm. Why? Well, because as the talent shortage got worse, operators started to spend money with registry and search firms. They looked at their PL at the end of the quarter, at the end of the year and went, we can't spend that kind of money. That's not sustainable. We need to centralize these efforts and bring that person in house. And so they did. They took HR, made it into this quasi TA department, then realized, wait a minute, there's enough workload here for this to be two separate people. And they created a talent acquisition department. But when they did that, most of them put all of the onus on the talent acquisition department to do all of the recruiting. And if you look at the industry turnover trends, talent acquisition has one of the highest turnover rates, primarily due to termination. Why? Because the expectation from the operator is that their, excuse me, the talent acquisition department is going to solve all the problems. The reality is they can't manufacture these human beings. These human beings are working for their competitors in those local markets, and they're not applying for jobs most of the time, which is where that issue becomes very relevant for operators is the line level staff. All of their competitors have line level staff working for them. All of the ancillary parts of of, uh, the post-acute space have those caregivers in them, be them, be it CNAs. How do we get them into our facility, into our community is going to be very difficult to do from the talent acquisition department at the resource center or at corporate. The benefit of the talent acquisition department is to centralize all of the resources and to, um, create a uh, a level of scalability from all of the applicants all in one central brain that then can be used across all of the communities, right? And to have someone who's actually driving it. 
But when it comes to actually identifying recruiting talent within a 10 mile radius of the community, that is where I feel like a lot of operators fall short, which is how do we create a recruiting culture that gets our executive directors and other department heads, leadership people at the facility level, empowered and even expected to recruit and help fill the roles. And one of the latest evolutions has been these operators are taking sales-minded individuals and putting them into a recruiting capacity at the facility level, incentivizing them to reduce reduce turnover and create tenure and recruit talent. We'll see how that plays out. It hasn't been in in effect long enough, but there is a strategy that can be implemented that I don't think is implemented enough at the site level to get executive directors primarily and other leadership people at the facility level responsible for identifying, attracting, and recruiting talent in a local market. And I mean local being hyper-local, 10-mile radius of the community, Uh incentivizing the people to do that. You can pay a search firm to find you somebody, or you can incentivize all of your community leadership people who between their first, second, and third degree connections, realistically know the person that you're paying the registry to bring you the caregiver for. So how do we get them empowered to go get in front of that person and bring them in? So that's the first piece of advice is we got to figure out how to create a recruiting culture at the site level that incentivizes and creates an empowerment for those local leadership folks to tap into their first, second, and third degree connections and bring that talent to the table. Mm -hmm. That's number one. Number two would really be for the talent acquisition department. And for that department, I think that there's a, um, a just an overall need to get to know those local markets the best they can. Because what we've experienced is that if there is an inefficiency that exists from corporate down to these local markets, it's truly knowing those markets and understanding the the uh, the uniqueness of the East Bay versus the peninsula, understanding the uniqueness of the Bay Area versus San Diego and everything in between from a staffing perspective, from a competitive landscape perspective, to how do we sell against our competitors perspective, more details need to be known about local markets other than position title, job description, pay range. We need to know more at the corporate level about these roles because we're the first line of defense to talk to these people. I think that those are two tangible pieces of advice that we see play out on a daily basis that operators could improve and see really immediate results on. Yeah, you know, at the local level, we step into the shoes or empathize to understand what's going on in an executive director's life in world. You know, the whirlwind is incredible. So putting it all on the ED or sometimes the business office director or business office leader, manager is, um, it's just overwhelming. I think that idea of, or suggestion of a position and looking for salespeople. I mean, Katie, you mentioned this is a sales position recruiting, you know, and really needs to be looked at as a, it's so mirrors. I mean, it is sales, right? It's Mm -hmm. putting people in the funnel, relationships, getting to know people, understanding your, uh, you're understanding what the the, local market and, and being able to I don't like needs match <laughs> like 20 years ago, but really understand what is it driving, you know, your, your customer. Um, yeah. So that, that's, that's very, very interesting. And it can't all fall on the ED. It's just, yeah, just oh, God, too many. Oh gosh, it's too much well, already. 
Well, very similar to like in sales for a community, it falls on the entire team, right? We're all selling our community when we are, you know, smiling at a tour that's going by saying hello, you know, and just the way that we out in the greater community represent our actual place of work. So very similar to all of that with sales for residents and, you know, having residents come into our community. It's really the same for staff members too. Who do you know? kind of deal. And when you're out in the greater community and you're at a restaurant and you have a great server, are you making that connection? Right. It's just, I think it's those constant top of mind things like Max was saying of it really is everybody in the, in the community level responsible for attracting that talent and and sourcing it and really yeah. making those connections. I think that's the part that I want to just lay on one more yeah. time that it's not a, it, this is not an additional bullet point on the executive director's job yeah. description. This is a, a lot. <laughs> this, this is a culture across the organization. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we, we see operators that do a good job at this of, we are all actively recruiting all of the time, all of the time in the community, being vigilant for people that can add value to the community whether they have experience or don't, bringing that person to the table so that they can meet with the people that would be involved in making those decisions. It's, it's, it's really, it's, it's in the blood. It's in the culture. It's ingrained in the organization, not just a bullet point on the leadership people's job descriptions. Yeah. 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 Just like we're uh, asking for friends, family, and referrals for from residents and team members for prospects or potential new residents asking for that. Again, it mirrors, right? Like you said, get a great server or a great uh, whomever or person. You know, uh, I remember recruiting uh, a gentleman who managed uh, the, I went for oil changes and I went to the same place and he was such so amazing and his customer service managing the the oil change slash you know fix your car uh local place i recruited him <laughs> for sales he we did, did great um but that's you know that's example of one but you know we just got to go like you know one at a time right and uh it needs to be top of mind so many things need to be top of mind i think that's you know, therein lies the challenge, right? But this got to, you know, we've got to keep, um, and I've got one last question. Um, I know we're running out of time, but just, you know, keeping this top of mind, what about leaning out of the business, right? So people are, they may not have a senior living experience or maybe not the CEO level, but maybe, I don't know, sales operations. What are y'all thinking and seeing out there? I, there's just a lack of understanding. You mean, when you say leaning out, you mean bringing people from outside the industry into the industry? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, the one in the one obvious inlet that we see is hospitality into senior wow. living. Um, and I would say that that's the only real um, consistent pipeline into the business. Mm-hmm. Outside of that, there's just not a good, there's just not a good understanding of the senior living business outside of the business. Um, and I think that really the, the first thing that needs to take place is whether it's each individual operator, whether it's some sort of coalition that needs to be created and then operators contribute financially to that. I don't know what it is, but we need, I think it's probably the most tangible way to do it. Some sort of coalition that's going to educate these local markets on what the senior living business is and the just the bucket filling that can take place if you join the industry. Because 
turnover exists, but the number that's hard to track is the exit number. How many people are leaving the industry? Uh And COVID really shook that tree Uh and people left the industry. And so that number is hard to track, but the people that are leaving are primarily people that didn't have a passion for the business. Um, because you're not going to last long in the senior living business if you don't have a passion to be in it. So I think the only way for us to really create a a, a reliable pipeline coming from outside the industry, be it from caregivers to salespeople to operations folks, people just aren't aware. They've heard the term. A lot of people understand that it exists, but really the career path that it can provide, I think there's a large deficit in the education behind the senior living space outside of the senior living space. I would agree. 80? I I mean, yeah, I I would definitely agree. Um, I was one of seven students in my gerontology degree at Chico State, and that's entirely too low. Um, So even when you think about, you know, younger, and this was a long time ago, 12 years ago, um, but even when you think about, you know, people coming into the business and, you know, I was probably one of those very few that knew I wanted to be working with seniors from 12 years old. And I didn't know how that was going to be. And I didn't know the path. I mean, there's so many different avenues, you know, clinical operations, sales, right? But you can do maintenance, you can do real estate, you can do asset management. I mean, there's so many different avenues within senior living that you can be still part of the industry. And I think it's also a conversation that somehow to the younger generation needs to take place of this kind of industry and what it entails. Um, so yeah, I've, yeah, you know, we're all, we're all new once to your point, Katie, uh, there, I mean, there's not a degree in senior living sales or or not very many, you know, degrees is certainly in, uh, let's get, no, there's a little bit, right. Explorations and things, but, uh, it's, you know, you do have to have a passion, a very few, uh, maybe it's growing a little or, you know, organic like yourself. We knew they always wanted to do something like this. Um, I mean, I was recruited in, into the business and, and so many people sort of fell, you know, Max, like you said, you, you know, luckily, you know, fell into it, but yeah, that's something that we just continue to, um, put our mind to attracting and, and drawing. And, you know, when you've got great, training and coaching and great, um, you know, systems to, you know, bring people on and, and help them grow and learn from at, at every level, at every, uh, you know, at any position, right. uh, we've got to keep doing that because the business is, uh, can, is continuing to grow and it's, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a great business to be in. Um, really appreciate both of you joining me for a little bit this morning and talking to us about this very, very important, uh, very important issue, right? In, in keeping our staff, right? Our leadership, executive, and all of our positions filled because at the end of the day, we're all here to, in, in, our, in our small way, serve our residents, you know, families and, and those that serve them. So thank you again, Max and Katie from Full Spectrum Search Group. And if you'd like to learn uh, more about uh, their services, please reach out to one of them. And that is done by, how do we do that? Uh, we're both on LinkedIn, <laughs> pretty active, um, or our website, fullspecstaff.com. 
and we're always happy to connect. Excellent. Excellent. And to learn more about how we can help once those positions are, are filled to train, uh, coach and lead, uh, growyouroccupancy.com. Thank you again very much. We'll see you next time. Thank you, Julie.